Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Bladen, Global Small Groups Pastor at Saddleback Church, pulls from his 20-plus years of small group ministry experience to encourage and equip listeners to lead more effective small group ministry. Sit back, learn, and enjoy SG Squared with Steve Gladen. Welcome to SG Squared, Steve Gladen on Small Groups. Hey everyone, this is Derek. Thank you for joining us today. And I am joined by your main host, the man whose very initials stand for small groups, Steve Gladen. Steve, how are you doing, man? It's a, it's a beautiful summertime as we are recording this show. Just loving and our summer times are, you know, uh, in those 80s, sometimes creep up to the 90s. But uh, we, we love summer. I know the nation is baking right now and uh, pretty much the world is so. But, you know, stay in your house till November 1st. All those people that are in the bake zone. You're living large there in SoCal. The June gloom is gone and it's beach time, baby. How many days a week do you get down to the beach uh, and just relax? You know, at least once every other year in reality, you know, I guess only on vacations, only on vacations do I, they, or whenever we have visitors like Derek who come down and say, I gotta go to the beach, gotta go to the beach. So, you know, try try and stay, the sandy's too dusty and all that. So, you know, I, I prefer the pool, the pool's right out the back door. So much easier. I love it. I cannot believe we are already in the thick of summer. And we've got a very exciting uh, special guest on this show today, Steve. So why don't you uh, give our listeners a little preview of what's to come? Yeah, let me uh, let, let, let me tee this up and, uh, and then I'll let Derek, you know, uh, take this one over. But a buddy of mine, Matt Hamilton, is going to be on the show. Derek is going to give you a little of that you know, intro, you know, his little bit of his bio and what he does and all that. And we'll dive into the show, but the last number of episodes, if you guys have been followers, you know, uh, with us on every episode that we have the last number, we have been way out of our lane and talking about crazy things like, uh, UX where we had Christina Dawson as a guest. And we talked about UX or the user experience. How does that impact ministry of where it's at? had a buddy of mine, Dave Arnold, who was on the show uh, for the last episode, too. And we talked about follow-up and how data can help you actually follow up. And, and as you start to learn, there's so many things that are happening out there in the corporate world that Christianity should dive into and just take pages out of their playbook because they've, they have spent billions of dollars trying to figure out how humanity will buy their products. And let's just steal what they've got because all they really did is take Jesus principles and and work them and the church hasn't been doing it. And in this episode, no different, man. We're going to talk to you about seven ways CRM can improve your discipleship. And, and some of you are like, going, I don't even know what those letters stand for. I don't know what's happening here. The show's off the rails. We really talk about Jesus, you know, the last couple of episodes, uh, but we'll get into that. But the thing I want to let you know is, uh, that Matt is an expert in CRM. He's also a follower of Christ, which is more important. But uh, Derek, why don't you tee up who our, our guest is, and uh, then I'm going to take us to that next level. Yeah, it's been fun having some uh, special guests on the last uh, few times, Steve. You know, it brings a little bit of spice to our show. I don't know if people get tired of you and me sometimes. So it's yeah. great to have these fresh faces, these fresh voices, and uh I think this is the third one in a row with a special guest. So, uh, Matt, we're so honored to have you. And 
Again, as Steve said, you're going to walk us through seven ways CRM can improve discipleship. But I was blown away looking at your bio here. This is just the little bullet points. Uh, Matt, you've got 35 years of tech sales experience. Wow. And um, he looks like he's 35, but you know, he's not. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it started back in the 1800s with punch cards. So that's how long yeah. I've been around. Uh, it, it's very sad when you say that out loud. So uh, I'll start by saying thanks, Derek. I appreciate it. And Steve for the intro. It's great, uh, great privilege to hang out with you guys today. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Derek, but I uh, had to get a shot in early in the show. I love it. No, it looks like you've got 2 million plus air miles to over 15 countries in 30 states. Can you tell us just a little bit more um, about some of these global companies you've worked for and uh, some of the stuff you've done to get our listeners super pumped up that they should listen to you all the way through this episode? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll take the shine off of one thing Steve said. So expert, uh, I don't know that I would put myself in the expert box in anything. So let me, let me, let me bring that expectation back a little bit. But what I will say is practitioner, um, definitely. Uh, for those of you don't you know, know Steve and I's relationship, we go back over 20 years, uh, close friends, family friends. Um, to Derek's specific question, so I grew up in tech sales. I, I, I got in tech sales while I was still in college. Um, and that was many moons ago as I was kidding, but serious about the number of years um, and grew up in it. I've worked for a variety of different um, hardware, software companies, uh, service companies you know, during that three and a half decades in the business. And one of the things you, you learn about, obviously, um, it, it's a bit ironic, but an awful lot of tech firms, believe it or not, don't use some of the tech. They're not some of the best practitioners of the tech. So that's why I say mm-hmm. we're all practitioners together because we're all learning and figuring out, hey, how can we do this thing better? And the thing is, is really just staying relevant and, and you know, advancing your agenda, whether that's a product, a service, or in this case, um, you know, eternal outcomes and, and, you know, the foundation for small groups. So um, that's a bit about me. Um, you know, again, you know, I've seen a lot of things and have been part of um, spent the majority of my career um, anchored in the United States, but flown all over the place. So I've seen startups, I've seen challenges with new countries and new regions um, organizing that. Um, I've seen teams in despair. So, you know, have had been the benefactor of some companies that um, were not in good stead that maybe a company I was associated with was was acquiring. Um, and so we had, to, we had to turn around. So um, I just share that with the listeners to say, um, I, I've seen a lot um, and, and they come in all shapes and sizes from startup build to fix to operate run to accelerate into high growth. Yeah, Matt has been both friend, mentor and one of the things that we always giggle about is that when we're talking about our two worlds, that we will say we we operate and sell the most different products on the planet. He's selling high tech. We're selling Jesus. Actually, we don't sell. We give away. But, uh, but we talk about how our two organizations, our two worlds are so similar. And I've learned from him. Hopefully, he learns from me. And it, it's been really good. So I'm I'm super excited to dive in because these seven uh, things that we're going to talk to you about are going to be super important because CRM can help you in these seven ways will impact the way you do discipleship. And because when you use CRM, it helps you become scalable. And when you're scalable, then you can reach more people for Jesus. But Matt, before we go too far down this show, CRM, 
a word that you know we we bounce around and we throw around. Well, what what is CRM, and uh, how would you help unpack that for our listeners? Yeah, CRM is um, client resource management. Right. So what, what it is essentially saying, which, again, that may be Greek speak to many of our listeners out there, it's essentially, you know, w- what's relevant to your customer base. It, it helps you organize who you're speaking to and with so that you can traverse, you know, days, weeks, months and even sometimes years and not lose the information that you've garnered along the way. Um, you also capture and, and, you know, input nuggets of I'll say great information in the CRM. So it becomes a central repository of who you're speaking and engaging with. And it allows you to share that information as narrowly or broadly as you want. Right. And, and so that helps you like any, I'll, I'll make it a team sport analogy. It helps you communicate on the court much better. Right. It, it helps you um, just move the ball faster, more efficiently. Um, and, and the biggest thing is for the recipient, they feel connected with you. And that's, that's really what I want. That's the underpinning. So I'll say the, the time I wanted to spend with this, this group today and our listeners is that, that connectedness is so important. And I know you guys know that, but sometimes we don't make that, that leap or that jump to say, how can technology help me with that? CRM is, it's not the, you know, the only thing, but it is a, is a foundational piece that, that will help all of us, uh, you know, as, as we try yeah, to no, And you bring apart a good thing because I think most of our listeners would understand that, the life expectancy of a small group pastor can be in the in the short years. Uh, you know, I've been at Saddleback, you know, moving on my twenty sixth year, and that's just an anomaly. That's uh, that's just not normal. But what can happen for for those of you, what the best thing you can do for your church is help them not lose the institutional knowledge that you're gaining as you're, as you're working with people. So that's why these seven things are going to be so important because, you know, there will be a day when I'm gone and I want to make sure all the institutional knowledge of all of our groups and all of our training and everything is still in place that is easily accessible and not lost uh, with, because I've departed or because any one of our listeners have departed. So there's some good things there. So without any Further ado, let's start to jump into these seven ways. Uh, Derek will have everything posted in the show notes so you can follow along a little bit later. Uh, uh, but for right now, listen up and enjoy. So, Matt, number one, you're going to talk about high-level uh, perspective. And so when you're talking about, you know, this first way, can you, can you give us some of the bullet points of what you're meaning by high-level perspective of what what you're setting up here? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Steve. Um <clears throat> You know, I like to say, you know, and again, coming from a sales guy, so you would expect nothing less, right? We're all in sales, right? And sometimes, boy, that makes people cringe. I, you know, it might be right up there with lawyer, right? I mean, that's, that's a, you know, all your burger that slammed together and you want to run out the door. Sorry, I've offended two group sales guys and lawyers now. So I'm, I'm doing yeah. well early in the podcast. Um, you're talking to pastors, so you're safe. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll rely on that. Um, but w- what I'm saying there is, you know, we're, we're all trying to, get a message across. We're all trying to stoke the coals on something, right? And again, whether that's the need for a product or a solution, or in this case, small groups, right? What, what is the thing? Like, what are we trying to get across? So sales, and, and I would I would submit that really any people interaction, it starts with a state of mind. Like, I think you need to kind of get your mental state right as you go into this and say, I need a high level perspective. Before I start mm-hmm. reaching out and communicating, let me get myself right. Obviously, open up in prayer, 
get oriented around what you're trying to accomplish that day, but then get into the headspace of, of the small group leaders um, and community that you're reaching into. What do I need to do yeah. there? What, what are the points I'm trying to get across? And for me, you know, the way that I, I explain it to younger sellers and people that are coming in, in my business in the secular world is you have to have a clear vision, right? Don't yeah. make people guess why you're reaching out. It, right. Yeah. If, if, you know, we all love to talk, um, no, nobody more so than yours truly, but, um, you know, you, you have to, you have to adjust, engage who's on the other end of that communication. And so starting mm-hmm. off with a clear, Hey, here's who I am. Here's why I'm here. If we haven't spoken before or pick up where you last left off and mm-hmm. that anchors back to the CRM bits we'll get into in a minute. Um, that makes it really relevant. And that, that experience on the other side, I'll say the recipient of our outreach is in a much better headspace as well, too. While you can't control their headspace, you've put yourself in a position and you're starting on the right foot. You're being concise and you're jumping right in. And, and, and they get that and they'll appreciate that because that says, I respect you. I respect your time. And we may end up talking for two hours, but we know how we got into this. And it was a mutual, I'll say, agreement as, we, as the conversation went, we could unpack things. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. The, the beautiful thing too is that you know when we read through the Bible, when you read through Acts two forty two through forty seven, we understand how community can help set up that overall perspective of of where we want to take people and the vision that we want to give them. And I love what you were saying right there is that you know it, we want we want to think of from the the the. Uh, the person you're talking to just, you know, what are they going through? What are they trying to learn? And then where are we trying to take them in and make with that? So it's a beautiful piece of, uh, of what you're saying. So anything else on the high level perspective that you're wanting to dial in? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I kind of you know, jokingly put in there, but everybody's favorite subject is themselves, right? And, and, and that's, yeah. it's a little bit funny, but it's a little bit true. So as you're, you know, and again, let's take two examples of this. There's the, hey, I've never met you before. I've never spoken to you before. So clearly your base of information and you're starting at ground zero. But be, um, be respectfully interviewing, right, in that, in that process. You know, what, what's on their mind, right? Where, you know, again, you have an agenda that you're perhaps trying to drive. You know, maybe there's, I'll use an example to make this easier. There's a small group conference that Steve Gladen's holding and you want to get all of your, your, your leaders to that, right? So yeah. that's an opening up of, you know, Hey, have you attended one of these before? You know, have you attended others before? What'd you like about them? What, you know, what, what did you not like about them? You know, draw some of that out and that, and that's really going to personalize it for them. It shows that you care that that connection is a really big deal. Um, that care element, it will convert to credibility down the line, right? Yeah. As opposed to, Hey, I need you there, you know, because, you know, I'm just trying to get 20 people there or I'm trying to get 200 people there or whatever that objective is. Um, Again, that, that it starts with getting your head in the right space and then being engaging on a personal note. And you got to capture, you know, I'll, I'll keep harping on this throughout the podcast, but you got to capture what you're learning, right? Don't lose those nuggets because they're so transferable um, and they enrich the engagement every single time. Yeah, keeping good notes and keeping that around, and and you know, again, just taking it from beyond themselves to uh, to what it's all about, and it, it's it's answering the why. Why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing community? Why are we doing groups? And how is that important? How does that lead towards uh, discipleship? Derek? Love it. Number one was on fire. Let's jump to number two as we go on this journey of seven ways CRM can improve discipleship. And in number two here, um, 
Matt, you talk about personalized service, and I love how you state that our world demands real-time interaction with deep mm. personalization. Can you unpack that for us and give us everything you've got on personalized service? Yeah, there's an underpinning there, Derek, and thanks for that, that, that setup, which is expectations, right? Whether we love it or not, our world has been thrust with you know, these unbelievable phones that, that do everything for us. Our whole lives are on them from, you know, travel to connection. I think communication might be at the bottom end of it. Right. But I mean, it's, it's yeah. the whole reason it was invented to begin with. Um, but our whole world is on that. And, and what I mean through that is that the, the expectation for knowing what I want to know or getting an answer or getting a reaction is almost instantaneous. Right, you know, you know. Again, back when I was a much younger man, it was it was not only normal but acceptable behavior that you wouldn't hear feedback for something for a week or you know, heaven forbid, a month. Like that, th- those days are gone. Right? I mean, that's that that's like riding a horse to work. Right? I mean, that is not the world that we live in. So you know, it, it's important to understand this expectation because that's who's on the other end of the wire, whether they say that to you or not, their expectation is that you're going to have rapid response and almost real time engagement with them. So it's also important if you can't fit into that box that you're communicating that proactively, like don't let them figure that out. So that's a big thing. So it's, it's, you know, if you're in alignment with the expectation, you're, you're going to by and large be okay. If you're leaving that to chance and you don't set those expectations, that, that is going to lead to probably disenchantment on my experience that I have personally. Um, and, and, and again, that's also going to go you know, to the expectation that they, they've learned through the world, right? Everything else that's feeding them, you know, Lord knows advertisements, you know, if somebody wants to sell you something on online, right? I mean, there all those recommendations are coming at you in a matter of, of seconds, if that. Um, and, and we've all become normalized to that. So that's the personalized service of it, right? And, and again, it, it is, you could draw from this if, if any of you out there, because I know I'm the only one that online shops, but, you know, you look at something once and, you know, my goodness, like you're, you're being solicited by that ad for the next, 20, you know, 20 days, maybe two months, something like that. Um, I, I'm not advocating that we in the in the church and small group community become stalkers, but what I am saying is there's there are there are elements and nuggets there that we can we can pack away and open up with a warmer next engagement, right? And that's the personalization of service. So Matt, have you, I mean, before we jump in and close this one up, uh, when you're talking about personalized service, I know many times in the church world, obviously, we don't have a, a, a budget to uh, have AI that can help us do everything that Amazon or other sh- or online services are doing. But when you're talking about personalized service, do you, do you find a difference between um, there is the automatic email that hits people? Would you qualify that as personalized service? Or are you talking about just the importance of if someone says, I want to get in, be in a group, or I want to start a group? you know, getting, getting it back in touch with them, not just by an email, but maybe calling them up or engaging with them somehow, uh, within a certain period of time. Yeah, it's a great question, Steve. I I think you have to, there's not one answer to that. And there, and there isn't, there isn't one path. I think you have to think about paths. And I think that it's important for, 
you know, everybody in the small group community to think about that in terms of there's almost, I'm going to call it bulletin board or newsletter style. That can, that can be yeah. kind of a, hey, here's what's going on. And, you know, like, hey, here's announcements and events and those sorts of things. And I can expect to see that. And as a leader, I can, I can um, set up that expectation that I will deliver this on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, maybe a quarterly basis, and I'll get certain bits of information there. But when somebody reaches out to kind of the other part of your example, Steve, you're like, hey, um, I want to join a small group. Maybe it took me six months or a year's worth of courage. You know, I've been going to church and hearing about small groups. And man, this is a big thing for me. We always have to think, right, toward the and get our mindsets back to the mindset to the most vulnerable, the most tentative in the group and say, how would you feel if it took you six months worth of courage or a year's worth of courage to reach out to somebody and say, I want to join a small group and you don't hear from somebody for weeks. Like that's, that's, you know, and again, we're using that as an example of, okay, here's how we don't do it, but that's, that's what we have to set up. And again, if we can proactively message that, you know, both sides, Hey, when we're saying, Hey guys, if you're not in a small group, get out there, reach out it, you know, because of, you know, I'll make it up, but you know, because of our volume and whatnot, it, you know, it, it may take a week. So bear with us. We'll get to you. That that also helps. There, the expectation bit is is like I said, a common thread through the tapestry. The more you can communicate expectations, um, the more I'll say gray matter that you take out of it, and the less miscommunication that you'll have down the way. Makes yeah, sense. That, that makes makes perfect sense. Let's go to number three. Um, this brings out my junior high humor here, a central repository. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to move past all that and my junior high humor of information accessible and shareable. Uh, you know, Derek, I'm happy to give you a central repository, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I'll back off from that comment. But uh, I actually love where this point is going. One humor, my sick humor aside, uh, Matt, t- talk to us about this information because this this is a, a big area where institutional knowledge on a person who can give us the most intimate information of prayer requests and things that they want. It, it's super important for us to understand this. Yeah, thanks, Steve. I mean, this is um, you know we'll, we'll we'll stick with your uh, you know junior high middle school analogy there, right? This is uh, we'll call this your permanent record, right? So it's going down on your permanent record uh, and riff on that. What we're saying is, look, when when we're having these engagements, and again, it can be any level of it, right? It can be it can be phone, email, text. It could be the meeting we had tonight. It could be just we bumped into each yep. other at coffee. All of this is included. Um, anything that we're picking up that we that is important to the individual that we can get into the CRM, and, and the CRM is essentially the central repository, the permanent record, right? So, yeah. one, it's electronic. That means you know lots of things, right? We in today's day and age, we can ex- we can access it from anywhere. Um, it's typically resilient. So, if I lose my phone, we didn't lose all your records. Somebody else can dial that up. Yeah. Um, Three, it's shareable, right? We can we can get that moving any which way we want. We can slice it, dice it, um, and so that we're again ter- tailoring and personalizing the service to reach the appropriate messages and the appropriate level of help and care and development, all those things um, to the audience. You know, I think the thing that um, we've all probably been through this. We've called in for customer service on something, and you go through a battery of you know twenty questions on security, you know questions, and you get to your mom's maiden name, and then you just about get the help, and you and, and then you get transferred to the next person, and then they start all over again with what's your mom's maiden name, and we go down yeah. this this thing. 
that can become us if we're not organized and, and look at our notes and look at the footsteps and fingerprints that have been laid down in previous meetings and conversations. So that becomes a really terrible, I'll say, end user experience, right? If, if I have somebody going down that same path, you know, yeah. a leader calls me and walks me through the same questions that I answered six months ago or last year. It just means, do you guys really care? Are you really communicating effectively with me? Is this a is this just purely a numbers game? Or are we really in this for the right reasons? Right. And, and my headspace can go in a lot of directions that are, I'll say, overstated or overhyped, but they're not good places. And they're very avoidable because we go back to the central database, which the CRM is essentially filling in. And it's saying, look, we're, we're, we're only going to capture the things that you'll share with us, what's important to you, where you want to take your group, um, where, where you could use help. Um, where, where you've tried and, you know, maybe we got some good feedback, right? We're talking about improvement points, but certainly there's a lot of space in there too, where you could say, my gosh, we just had this conference and it was fantastic. Here's some of the feedback that we got from this person or this group, et cetera. Um, that's super important to know too, right? We can, we can take a lot of that into the next conference. We can, um, you know, do, do so many things with that, but that's why the central repository is so critical. So no matter whether it's a, you brought up another good point to events, most of us will do events at our church and then we'll go through how, what do we do? We'll do a full helpful list and we'll try to figure out how we can improve on. So next year when it comes, we'll do better. But this, that's one area. The other area I'm hearing you also talk about though, is also with our group leaders, you know, knowing good information on them so that, if they give us a prayer request, we pick back up right where it was and ask them about it and how, what did God do, or whether it's our coaches or our community leaders, wherever we're at in that system, you're trying to make sure that the people God have God has given you, you've got to have a good database system that you can access and store information that's a little bit more than this, their name and their address and maybe where the group is at. But as you collect data points, you want to take it much deeper. That's exactly right, Steve. And, and one note that I make in here, and I'd, I'd be remiss if we didn't touch on it really quickly, which is you need to be thoughtful. So the, the, the tool doesn't so much matter, right? You, there's, there, there's lots of different CRM tools out there, even CRM-like things, um, really for any budget. So, I mean, some of them yeah. are very expensive, right? And you can, you can swing to that. And mo most of us don't have the resources from a church perspective to lay that down as we would in a secular business world. Um, but it's, it's not so much the tool it is the thoughtfulness behind the information that you're gathering. You know, so yeah. this is another bit that we have to strike a fine balance in. You need to get enough information to be helpful, useful, and transferable. So when, again, when we're sharing between different people, coaches within the church, that we, we look like we're communicating because we are. Yeah. Um, but, but you also can't play, as I lovingly refer to as professional two-year-old. You just can't sit there and ask endless questions, why, 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 um, in perpetuity. And, and because... As you're getting answers to that, you need to, if you're being effective, you need to get that back into the CRM and create data fields. So you want to strike a fine balance of, hey, what are the, what are the things that are absolutely essential for us to be good communicators and caregivers? Um, what are the things that are maybe it's second degree, okay, nice to have, but not completely essential? And then there's maybe a peripheral that's just almost notes and okay, these are definitely not required, you know, fields, if you will, or data points, but we can, we can add to that. And the, the art here is, uh, as a wise man once said, uh, it'll take a lot of time to write a short letter. That's the same exercise here. Like take a lot of thoughtfulness to gather 
and, and, and categorize those three buckets. It will serve you down the road because you can also choke yourself out by swimming in information. You're, you're exhausting yeah. the people you're talking to and the database becomes so full of less than important information that it's hard to make anything of it. And so that's a cautionary tale. Yeah. Like I called this person yesterday, but there's no other useful information with it. Correct. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, and that's, a, that's kind of a final point on that too, is um, that's the beauty of a CRM. If you're using it appropriately, you're getting time date stamps so that, you know, when you do an entry, it's going to leave the fingerprints of when that person was even attempted. Like you may not even have reached them, but if you log your calls and, and your outreach into the CRM, you'll see that. And that also gives you um, an indication of maybe I'm calling at the wrong time. Maybe I'm using the wrong medium. Um, maybe I'm doing it all right, but you'll be able to see those patterns over time. And, 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 and that's why you're centralizing as well, too. You want to observe that so that you can become more effective and efficient at the same time. It's not one in exchange of the other. It's both. And that's kind of yep. the idea. Yep. Good information, man, Matt. Thanks so much for being here and sharing all of this knowledge. When it comes to uh, ways that CRM can improve discipleship, talk to us a little bit about uh, data insights and how the ability to spot trends is key. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really an iterative process. So let me start there because mm-hmm. like these two points that we're on, you just kind of really meld well together. You know, if you're really thoughtful about the layout of what's important. Um, then you, you can be more efficient. And, and again, you know, nothing wrong with a three-hour conversation if everybody's into it, but you could also have a three-minute conversation and be highly effective and, and mm-hmm. get the people what they need. And, and you're also updated on your side. Um, over time, an awful lot of, you know, I'll say what we've done, what I've been blessed with in my, my sales capacity is it's, I, I call it science experiments, right? We try, you know, what we'll, we'll, we'll you know, have an objective. Hey, we, we, we want to sell more. We want to penetrate a customer base. We want to enter a new region. Um, how do we do that? We go back to the CRM for that data, right? The, this, the, the data is, are, is the guiding principles. We don't, we don't create a narrative and then try to use the data to prop it up. We go to the data to tell us if, if that's what's happening. Like, hey, we feel like there's a market here. Well, why do we feel that way? Do we have do we have outreach from people in that area, or do we have notes in there that are telling us that yeah, that that would be attractive to people, or the reason they choose us as a as a product or a solution? And the same is true, right? You know, it's it's hey, when we, you know, and and you know, we all seen it. If you've been part of any church gathering or movement, you're like, man, we're we're cracking when we do it at this campus, it's jamming. Or if we do this format, if we do a podcast with Steve Gladen, man, it burns down the house. Our ratings are up there because, you know, it's, it's just good stuff. Um, you'll see that. And, and, and the data will come alive to you over time. But it, it requires thoughtful gathering and consistent gathering. So if everybody, if you, I'll make up a, a small example. If you have 20 people doing input into the CRM, but everybody's kind of doing their own thing um, and, and, and the fields are haphazard. So your layout isn't solid and your execution isn't solid from your user. You're really just going to get a ball of yarn, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's not going to be anything that's usable. So discipline around that. And that's where I think a lot of team energy has to come together to go, Hey guys, we, we know what we're doing here, we think, but there's some things we maybe need to experiment with. How do we do that? What, what, are, what are the data points that we want to get into and start looking at that? And then the data will start to come alive uh, before you as you look at those touches and frequency and, and it'll start to, it, it really will write the story. It's what we found. 
you know, as I'm just thinking real time uh, in small group ministry, you know, some of the, the data things that we've been able to look at that have helped us uh, kind of like when we're doing a gathering, you know, knowing which nights of the week your groups meet. That's a good data thing, because if they all meet on Thursday, that's a good gathering night that you could have, you know, a, a, a central groups gathering and, and pull in with all those people. Uh, also, for those of you that are using streaming services in your curriculum, if you're seeing what curriculum they're using or what, which curriculum they aren't using, that's just as important, too, for you. The same thing with your leader training. You can see how many people are coming to physical leader training or how many are watching it online. And if they're watching it online, you know, what degree are, are, are they watching it? So there's there's a lot of there's many things data data can help you with. But the other thing I would want to encourage you with as you're listening to this podcast and you're like going, man, when Matt said, I don't want to speak Greek to you, but it's feeling like Greek. There are people in your congregation, too, that work in sales and they work with all, all their CRM in a way that can help you out. And so I just want to encourage you, if this is hard information for you, if it's confusing, or you're like, man, I'm only through point four and it's killing me, uh, you know, uh, I want to encourage you, don't, don't lose this because so much information people are giving you and, and telling you. It's kind of like in your church world, if one of your services is overflowing, they're telling you, this is the time I like. It's a data point for you. There's many things in the small group world that are just as much data points I want you to encourage to keep looking after. Anything else, guys? Yeah, I, yeah I was going to say, I, th I think you nailed it, Steve, on that. It's, um, you know, I, I put in the notes, you know, for, for the viewers, if they, you know, if they're listening, that this is a competitive advantage. And, and, and again, I'm going to kind of, you know, I'm going to keep a light thread in this world of, of, of a little bit of a business, right? I know this is church and I don't, I don't, I don't want to co-mingle those things or create any, any, uh, you know, discomfort there. But when, when you're organized, people gravitate to structure. They never, and here's the funny part. They never ask for it, but they, they you can feel structure. It doesn't need to be super rigid. I'm not saying inflexible. I'm just saying a little bit of structure. Structure's consistency. Structure's care. Structure comes across is, is organized and efficient um, and effective. And, 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 and essentially if you're caring for people, and again, we're, you know, on, on the podcast today talking about community and small groups, like, you know, what, what, what could be more in that vein, um, that, that is a big difference. And, yeah. and let me put it to you differently, like incentive people spend their time where they like they're, they're being fulfilled. And sometimes it's pushed like that, that. That's not just somebody that's praising them all the time. That's somebody that's helping them get to the next level, accomplish the next goal. Um, I've seen that for decades. And again, it's unasked for. So sometimes, right, that, that, that structure is the thing that's going to get you through. Um, and, and I just, you know, I, I encourage you, I guess, is, is maybe the way I'd end this point is I just encourage you to have just enough. You just need just enough to, to, to help advance and, and come across with the, the, the customer experience that you're looking for. Now, bringing it all back to discipleship, remember that, you know, the reason why discipleship is so critical, people have a spiritual void. And they're looking to fill it. And this is one way that you're able to use technology and use a CRM to help you. So just joining the show, we're uh, with Matt Hamilton. We're talking about seven ways CRM can help you in discipleship. We talked about high-level perspective, number one. 
personalized service. Number two, the central repository of information. So you have it, it's accessible, shareable, and you don't lose the institutional knowledge. There's insights that you can get from the data that people are, are going with you. And number five, we want to talk about is time is our most precious commodity. Now, we talked a lot about this, Matt, setting it up. Just saying, you know, everyone's got 168 hours. And the, if the church meets the needs, people give the time. And two two legs the church stands on outside the weekend services is helping people get in relationships, which is what Derek and I and the Small Group Network are all about, and getting them a responsibility. And their byproducts that they feel is, you know, their spiritual void is filled when they find a relationship that connects them vertically and horizontally. And that's why we're trying, you know, that's what we call that as discipleship. And relationally, if they, if you have a responsibility that matches your giftedness, then you feel value and you give the time. And Matt, you're a prime example of this. You give your time, you know, all over the place for the kingdom work because it, it gives you value uh, with that. So unpack uh, time is our most precious commodity uh, now that I've contaminated the Petri dish. <laughs> no, not at all. Great, great setup. Um, you know, look, this is one of those things that is, um, you know, I'm going to use a, another unpopular word in today's world, which is discipline. And, and so if you if you insert a little discipline um, into your time management, it's it is so fulfilling because your 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 accomplishment, your days and your weeks will flow better. Like I, I can promise you this. Um, I do a goal setting exercise with everybody that works for me. And, you know, they, again, it's not public shaming, right? I don't I want to be clear here. I'm not, I'm not that mean of a person, but like, but you, you, you have to, you have to understand what you're trying to do. And then you need to bring that down into building blocks, which ultimately end up in tasks, right? It gets very tactical and those, those, yeah. those tactics need to get scheduled. Like this is the, this is the tie-in, right? So we talked about the data points and we talked about, Hey, let's get all the central repository and this data is talking to us. But then it's like, Okay, but if I stop there, I really I'm smarter, but I'm not more effective, right? What this this section of it is is okay. Take the rubber to the road. What what am I going to do? And in the notes, you'll see um, there's I think there's a couple big takeaways in here. One, we have a world that's communicating in many more ways. Like if I get another app to communicate with me, I don't know what I'm going to need. Steve's going to say so special prayer for me, right? I mean, we've got Messenger and. WhatsApp and Slack and email and kind of like it's just out the you yeah. know it, it's out our ears right now. But the point the point I'm making in the notes is when you're engaging with the folks you're trying to reach, figure out what their preferred mechanism is because if you operate on their platform, I guarantee you that's going to be way more effective, right? And so for some that may that may be a text, for others that may be a, an hour long phone call, and others it's a combination or email or whatever. But you got to know that. Don't take that for granted. Don't assume this is a big miss. Oftentimes is because I like to talk on the phone means everybody likes to talk on the phone, right? And that, is, that is that is not the situation at all. Um, so we, we've got to meet them where they are, and 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 again for the maximum efficiency. Figure out what they're into and and, and adjust to that. Um, I talk about building the perfect day and the perfect week. So again, it's bringing your aperture down to say, okay, if I want to accomplish the following goals and I break those into tactics, what needs to happen every day for me to make that happen? And at the end of the week, how will I know whether it was a good week or not? Right. So but that, that, that's getting inside your calendar. And again, you can, through your CRM, you can learn what you can need to do, but then you can create your to-do list in that CRM. 
you can set your calendar reminders in that CRM. You may be able to automate if you have written communication. You could do that via the CRM and, and, and your email application. Those are the hooks that I'm talking about. And if you do that and you're diligent about that every day, so you know, do the hard stuff as early in the day as you can. Um, as again, as you're reaching out to the people you're communicating with, what's the best time to reach them? Got to know that. That's that's super helpful. Um, mm-hmm. But don't let don't let days slip. We're all going to have days. Let me let me be super duper clear here. Um, everybody fails. It either fails at a task or has a bad day or you know an unexpected emergency came up. Whatever that thing is, it's going to happen all the time. Just try to get back to catch up. Right. Don't let that slip and go, well, I'll start again from zero tomorrow. Try to dig out of that hole as best you can and as quickly as you can. Um, if you manage your days and your weeks, your months, your quarters, and your years will be fantastic. You'll, you'll ascend to a new level of accomplishment. And, and, and again, I'm saying this because I want everybody that's listening to this to be jazzed about how this can help them feel better about the job they're doing. But understand the implications. Mm-hmm. It's that customer service. The people at the other end that you're touching are going to feel way better about the engagement. It's going to be so much richer, so much more impactful because of what you're doing. And they won't necessarily know that you're doing it. They're just going to feel like you have, you're, you're just wired tight. You got your act together. And that's, that's what a beautiful feeling. And you care about it mostly, right? Like that's a big deal. So yeah, I would encourage people go back into the show notes. There's a lot of points here that Matt was talking about, but to dial it back into us for discipleship, you have group leaders that you're working with and they have people that they're working with and you may have coaches or community leaders that are helping you with this. And what I love about this is you've got to set goals each week to say, not only am I, how many of my leaders am I going to engage this week? Because we've got to disciple them. The only way we can do that is relationally, but then learning the other components of, which way do they engage the best? What day is the best way for them to engage on? And knowing and knowing those pieces is going to be important. Matt, anything else on that particular point, number five, that you want to share? I think we're good. I think you closed All it right. out nicely. Thank you. Sure. All right, number six. Um, Matt, you've got a continual improvement, and then you got adapt or die. I like this. I want to hear you unpack this and tell us how – Adapting or dying um, is all about improving discipleship. I, I don't want to die. The, the, well, Derek and I are going to talk to you after the show about that one, Steve. So, uh, <laughs> no, great, great setup, Derek. And did I mention that salespeople have an affinity for the dramatic? So, yeah, we're a little dramatic with the adapt or die here. Um, but it, it, you know, it, 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 it's a very true statement in context, which is. Um, you have to be relevant and rel- relevant is constantly changing. So, the, you know, everything that, you know, is, um, unfortunately the world is shaping lots of things out there. Um, you know, there's, there's new things, uh, you know, that we're dealing with every single year and we have to stay current with that. If, you know, and, and, and I think one of the, one of the gotchas or one of the guard against comments that I would make is, when success can become a very limiting factor, when we have success, we immediately celebrate ourselves, the team, the effort, the thing. And then we say, hold still, don't change a thing. And that's, that's exactly the wrong mentality. Like I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater, but what I am saying is what made you successful may need to look different in six months, definitely in a year, certainly in two or three years time. So I think you have to inspect, right? This this continual improvement of, hey, if I hit my goals, 
this week, this month, this quarter. And I get a lovely phone call from my good friend, Steve Clayton. He's like, you know, brother, your groups are rocking. Like, love what I'm seeing, whatever. Fantastic. Can I do more? Like, that's just, just a simple question. That's a, that's a very personal question. Is there some, can I, can I, can I serve those people better than I am today? Can I serve a few more of them than I am today? Um, and we all need to be our toughest critics on that. Like push, push for a little bit more, you know, we know who we're working for and, and, um, you know, there, there's, there's no ceiling on, on excellence, right? So go after that. And, 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 and that's what we're saying and, and adapt your approach. And secondly, um, sorry, Derek, go ahead. Yeah, Matt, I was just going to say, I love that line you shared. Um, you know, I think you said what made you successful may not work in six months, you know, yeah. and I think that's one of the biggest weaknesses that I've seen in my experience in working for churches and just being a part of the church world is a church will have some great success, right, in church planning or, or reaching this next growth level. And it's like they stop and don't think that they have to keep thinking outside of the box to close that back door. And then, but it's the longer you're in it, the more blind you become to it. Right. So it's almost like you need this outside help, but you can't get there. So I love, love what you're sharing or keep going. Sorry. No, listen, good, 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 good insertion there. And, 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 and keep that going because what you said, so one, you, you become static, but then as, as things shift and change, that success is, is not only maintaining, it's declining and you mm -hmm. become more desperate because you have not changed your thinking yet. Right. So that you're just your, your immediate reaction in that mode, which I've seen many, many a times is you just try, you, you run more frantically, it becomes more manic. And you're just like, well, I just, if I, if I just do more repetitions, the exercise will be deliver better results. And the answer is no, because it's moved. Like what, what, mm -hmm. what, what has changed has changed and you haven't caught on to that. Yeah. And so, that's why you have to inspect and look and, and look, if you can run an idea for 10 years and it works perfect for 10 years, great. All I'm saying is inspect it objectively. Like don't, don't get caught up in your own success. If, if you don't need to change it, it's working brilliantly. Great. But you know, there, there'll be a big bits of it that, that you actually have to change. And, and that's the big bit that you don't want to miss is don't, don't get lost in that and, and become, you know, I'll say less than relevant uh, to the people that you're trying to reach. Yeah. The church always talks about wanting the new wine skins. We, we love reading that scripture about new wine skins, but yet how often we always like to go back to the old wine skins. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking how many churches came out of COVID and didn't want to try anything new or try to figure out what would be that next wave of, of trying to grab people and what are they looking for? and what is culture looking for. And so there's some, some interesting dynamics and there's a lot of places where you can read that on sociological trends that are happening that can help you also set up your weekend services, but also understand how people want to connect in community. And if you haven't been looking at any of the, of the articles on loneliness and the need for friendship, it's right down our alley. And, you know, that's part of things. If you don't adapt to where society and culture is telling us what they're asking for and you know, and start to get people into that community it's going to hurt so okay man let me uh let me kind of bring us home on number point number seven soul food bringing us down so matt we're both foodies derek's a foodie too so you know let's go eat after the show but you're talking about nurturing relationships that will foster growth and improve impact and obviously the impact we're looking for is discipleship. 
all seven of these points, we're trying to say, how can you use technology to serve you to get to the tech, to the discipleship goal that you want when you're engaging with people? But Matt, unpack this point for us. Yeah, I'll give you a personal example. I've been blessed to have, you know, I'll say, you know, three of these people through 35 years um, in, in, I'll say my day job in sales that were just this gregarious leader. And I don't mean this in a false bravado sort of way, uh, you know, hey, look at me, it's all about me way. I mean, they, they if you said, what makes that person, that leader great, yeah. everybody would answer, I, I, I love hearing them speak. I feel taller when they're in the room. I, I, I like, I, I, I'm better. I'm better at just breathing when they're around. You know what I mean? Like I'm being funny, but it's like, man, it just the world is just always sunny in '75 when they're when I'm hanging with those people, and that's we all have the capability of doing that. Our styles are all different, and it, this and, and this is another thing. And I'm going to pick on the sales guys again here for a second as a parting shot is. You know, I think if you went typical stereotype sales, you know, loud, you know, winking, finger popping, you know, you know, flashy dresser, flashy car driving, that's sales, right? That's what we, that's what we all kind of believe is sales. Um, and and somebody put that icon in our heads a long time ago, and that's why majority of the world doesn't want to be a salesperson. Yeah. An awful lot of of the best salespeople are highly introverted, believe it or not. Like they are not extroverts; they're just not. But they they are problem solvers. They're communicators, mm. um, they're doers, right? Yeah. And, and so I, I say that to the, the listeners today because I don't care what your, you know, extra, your, your, your aptitude for being extroverted or introverted or somewhere in between, you have, you have gifts that you do better than anybody else. That's what I'm saying is like, look within there and bring that to the people that you're servicing. You don't, don't be like anybody else, be, be you. Be you, do your thing, but bring your uniqueness to that conversation and do it with the mindfulness of we'll go back to the structure and the data and the personalization is like, how can I make that person on the other end of the phone feel like those sales leaders made me feel that I was describing? Like, why, why am I taller, better, feel more optimistic about the day, want to dive into the word, want to reach out to my group? Why do I want to hang up from this conversation, this text exchange and, and feel different? That's I'll say our collective job, bringing it back to the small group and what we're anchoring on. So we leverage that data. We leverage those insights. Um, we personalize the communication. But again, we've, we've got to draw from that. And, and, and this is, I'll call this the delivery, right? Like we, we, we have to deliver that. And I think sometimes we just, we're either not thoughtful about it. Sometimes we're lazy about it. And that seems like a lot of work. It really isn't. It's a lot of work if I want to be Derek. Because he's way smarter and I have no idea how to push all the buttons he's pushing and all that stuff, right? Like, can't do it. But if I'm me and I, I bring that to the show, then people get that. And then, and, and by the way, it's not a competition. Like, they're like, man, I, I love hanging with all of you guys, right? And then we get this broader community this, the way God intended it to be, not to, you know, you know, front the Bible too hard here, but like, that's just like, you know, that's, that's what we're bringing together, but that leaves a memorable impression. So step back from everything that we've said, and I'll kind of wind this down. If you guys have questions, you can throw them at me, but it's, look, if I get my head in the right space before I engage, and then I'm really, I'm really efficient at what I use and I don't lose the fingerprints that I'm putting on people and I connect with them in the way that they want me to and the frequency and the timing that they want me to. And I, when I engage with them, I try to help them through a structured approach, achieve their goals with, for their group, for their community, for their church. My gosh, 
I mean, you know, that can't, that can't be other than anything other than a flourishing vessel. Like that is just, that's where the goodness is. And so, um, I know we, we badge this as CRM. CRM is just kind of the main, the main thread through this tapestry, but all this other goodness, it, you know, is everybody that's listening to us right now. So this is just a tool to help organize that and get the efficiency, the productivity in your day. And I hope, I hope from a sales guy of many years, this was, uh, you know, insightful and, and, you know, gave you a few new ideas and maybe a new approach on how to tackle small groups and, and doing the, the good work and hanging with my friend, Steve and Derek. Uh, appreciate you guys. And thanks for having me on today. Well, love it, but I'm not going to let you off too quick because you you, let, you said one you had one other thing that was in the notes that I, I won't I don't want to lose because I think it's valuable for each one of us because we're all about the people business we're engaging people all the time. You had a part right there, Matt. Uh, I can't remember if it was, it was in the show notes or if it was before we were talking uh, before the show, but it was about grading yourself. Can mm-hmm. you can you just give a little bit about that? You, I mean, because every one of us talk to people. And then Derek can uh, bring us home. But, you know, just because uh, we're always talking to people, what, what are you talking about grading yourself? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring the word up again. The, the toxic word discipline, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's foreign in the world today. But, you know, I'll say what served me extraordinarily well is being, being my own toughest critic. Not, not beat myself up for, you know, I'll say sit around in a corner and, and, you know, in a dark room, self-loathing. That's not what I mean. I just mean nobody, nobody knows the job and what I'm putting forward better than I do. And, and I don't think I've ever gone through an evaluation with a supervisor of mine where my self-eval was not lower than what my boss thought I was doing. Yeah. Right. So um, I do something simple. Here's an idea. This is like everybody has this. I don't care if this is a legal pad or I, I actually use like a doc. Right, just a, you know, just a, a typical word doc. Um, but for each of my leaders, and I do it for myself, I, I, I take you know, I try to take somewhere between you know, there's no magic number here, but I'll say six to six to nine important elements of the job. And oftentimes in a, in a sales community, it's kind of like, hey, if you put up the number, if you sold the, if you sold what you needed to sell, that's it. We don't want to talk about that. And I'm 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 actually approaching it from the the opposite angle. I'm like, the goals are definitely super important. Like there's no getting away from that. But the reason we're doing the scorecard, I call it a leadership scorecard. It's an A through F system, right? Old school, right? A, you get four points. F, you get, you know, nothing. Um, and, and you build the categories of what excellent would look like for that job. And then you give, you know, you give yourself and you give, you know, your downline. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're a leader, um, you score them. And then you have a conversation quarterly and go, hey, here's, here's how the last 90 days looked. And the idea here is that you understand where you did well. Of course, you understand where you need improvement. You, 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 get, you reset those expectations of what was in control, what was out of control, right? what you can adjust for. And then, and then I have a comment section at the end that just kind of goes over that and just says, hey, you know, and, and the notes are really about praising, praising what's good, but digging into the course corrections we're going to make in the next 90 days. So we do that. Um, I think... One, the world, the world doesn't want accountability and the world doesn't want discipline. And that's why I bring it up a little tongue in cheek, but it's super true. And we all know that. Um, But, you know, a a nautical example I'll give you is if you've been on a boat for longer than 10 minutes and and it was untied from the dock, I would suggest to you that it it was off course most of the time. Right. So the idea here is that you catch course correction when it's two to three degrees off. 
You don't catch it when it's 90 degrees off. So by doing these scorecards, evaluating yourself and asking for your boss's feedback, evaluating your downline and reviewing it with your downline and, and making sure you're having a, a you know, a, just a check-in conversations as we call them with your leadership scorecard, you can course correct in small increments. That means those confrontational conversations a lot of us don't like to have, they're much easier because they're, they're not that big. If you let them go to 90 degrees or 180 degrees off course, back to the nautical example, they're hard conversations. They're like, hey, Steve, remember how you were supposed to show up for work in January? Well, it's July 18th and you're still not here, man. Like, <laughs> you, you know, they're like, no. you know, you, you, you guys get it. So the, 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 the longer the distance between that and, and you have to be honest, here's, here's the last point I'd make here is oftentimes people say, are you getting feedback? And they'll say. I'll say something as silly as, yeah, I asked, I ran into Derek at the Starbucks this morning. I asked him how I was doing. He's like, bro, great. You nailed it. <laughs> I'm like, that, that's terrible. That, that, that is Derek wanting to drink his coffee and get me out of his face as fast as possible. And he doesn't want to hurt my feelings, even if it was terrible. And especially if it was terrible, that is not, but we do that all the time. We do that. That is, that is probably 90% of the way people quote unquote ask for feedback. Yeah. We have to get people around us in advance. So when we build our plan, think about the people as you build your plan that can give you as best as possible 360 degree input on how you're doing. The people you serve, how am I doing? Your boss, how am I doing? People that do the same job as you, right? How am I doing? How, how do I compare to like what you see and what you feel? And I want you to be, I want you to be critical. Like if you see something good, I want you to call it out, but I don't want you to, I don't want you to be hesitant to say that there's, you know, there's a splinter in my eye, right? Like let's, let, let's get to that bit. And, and when you do that, then you, then you can come back to them every 90 days, every six months and, and ask for that and, and do it in advance. Give them, give them a week's notice to pull that together. Don't ask them on the spot. Don't ask them at the Starbucks or at the coffee pot yeah. because you're just going to get a, you're going to get a dismissive answer. That's not accurate, well thought out. And therefore you, it's actually the worst of all scenarios because you're going to feel like you got feedback. You actually did so a good, a good nugget for us all is that you know, a good question to ask is what is your scorecard? So when you're trying to engage with group leaders, when you're trying to engage with the people who are helping you out with your community leaders and stuff like that, what is what is what needs to be on your scorecard? And I sure hope there's a good balance on the scorecard between the things you want and the relational pieces that you're injecting into them and learning from them about who they are. And so it's a good balance. So Derek, any questions or you want to bring us home? No, that was, that was amazing insight, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us today and for just sharing all this wealth of knowledge and experience that you have. And I really think uh, I've really grown from this talk hearing you and I know our, our listeners will as well. So uh, Steve and I say thanks again for joining us. And to everybody listening, thank you for tuning in to another episode of SG Squared. And uh, our prayers that this episode encourages you and inspires you to lead better small groups, healthier small groups. And uh, until next time, have a great summer. Thank you for listening to Steve Gladen on Small Groups. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.